This is Power Athlete Radio. With your host, Denny Cage, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. His day well before the sun comes up to make a 100 plus mile drive to coach the wrestlers at Lehigh University. The out of state trek must be paying off because his athletes beat national champions Ohio State last year, a defining victory for Zach Evanesh and his team. Zach doesn't let up, his days are long, his voice is hoarse, but he sucks the marrow out of life and vows to lay down each night bone tired and without regrets. Think you know what it takes to embody the qualities of a good coach? Mr. Evanesh will tell you firsthand that it takes a relentless work ethic and an intolerance for mediocrity. In this episode, Zach imparts his knowledge on finding time to train himself, suffering through and preventing ACL injuries, and the nuances of coaching weight class athletes. Passionate doesn't even begin to describe this grassroots authority on brute strength. Have a listen as the self-described family man paints a picture of what it means to truly throw yourself into coaching and why his job extends far beyond the weight room. This week, Sarah Thomas became the first full-time female official in the NFL. I cannot wait to see this bad bitch in action. Here's episode 101 with Zach Evanesh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Power Athlete Radio, something that's quickly becoming the premier strength and conditioning podcast. This is Denny. I'm joined with Tex, Luke, Callie, and Bobby. What's happening, guys? What's up? I mean, I would, I've been told we are the premier strength. Yeah. So what are we? Are we the premier? Or we could be are we quickly becoming? Well, or? It's, it's kind of a toss-up. I mean, we get all that feedback about um, how we're becoming. It's like we're coming. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? I don't get it. Oh, it's a movie quote. <laughs> it's a movie quote. Well, let's well let's get let's get to let's get to the main event. Let's get to our real guest. Well, the reason that we are the premier strength and conditioning podcast is because we bring you awesome guests. The reason we're coming together. Come together. Get to the chopper. Oh my god. That was Thank a cool joint. I never heard of it. I never heard of one you and Arnold impersonation. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the regular around what here, dude. Would we call yeah. me when I <laughs> Zach, we're I mean you're gonna you're gonna hear some eighties movie quotes. Nice. Some uh, pretty good imitations. I mean, Luke can do a pretty good Christopher Walken. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. um, I've got a fever. And Callie, I mean, she... Callie can do a really good... You haven't thing. seen Callie in person? <laughs> she looks like uh, pretty much the women's champion in UFC, the current champion. Really? Yeah. But Ronda I mean, Rousey? a woman can't walk down the street without getting stopped and asked for an autograph. And swung at. <laughs> and swung at. 
she's, she's taking arms on down the street. Uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> I'm a huge bitch. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, well, let's introduce Zach to everyone. <laughs> Zach, uh, why don't you kind of, I mean, if you don't know who this man is, uh, you've been hiding under a rock your whole life, but maybe, uh, First exactly. of all, Zach, I, I swore I swore we wouldn't build you up like this because holy shit, I listened to several podcasts that you've been on, and everyone is is like hand jobbing you so hard, it's unbelievable. <laughs> in, in the intro, it's like unbelievable, and you can hear in your voice how you're like, uh, okay, like you don't have to say that, you know. So let's just say Zach Evanesh is on our show right now. It's just a, he's normal, a good guy. He did a text on that with Zach a few months ago. He's just a regular guy. Had a beer or two with Wouldn't him, you like say that Zach hung out with you? You didn't hang out with Zach. Yes. <laughs> On the Jersey Shore. It was very it was very unique. Zach would not it. stop fist pumping. Uh, <laughs> That's so Zach. He had some I, tore my, uh, I tore my rotator cuff fist pumping. It was mm-hmm. nuts. <laughs> oh my god. That's an overuse injury waiting to happen. <laughs> so so Zach, uh, what's going on in your world right now? What's new? Well, listen, the uh, the buildup and the intro and all that stuff, you know, you hear my voice. It's always this raspy voice. Um, I'm just a coach. You know, I, I spend a lot of time coaching, and I'm a family guy, and uh, I'm not really <laughs> – that's it. I just coach a lot, and the past probably like two and a half years, I've coached more than ever. I got kind of – D- um, dived more into it and took on more coaching um, positions and, and projects and stuff like that. But uh, like uh, the boys said, I'm out here in New Jersey. I've got two gyms, and um, I also am the uh, head strength coach for the Lehigh University wrestling team. They are at the nationals right now. We've got eight out of ten guys there. It was this is a very big year. We beat we beat Ohio State, which was huge and um so that's like my day is uh a lot of coaching in the mornings and then again back in the afternoon and evening you know in the afternoon and evening I'm at either of my gyms training uh, mostly high school but we've got some middle school athletes uh then in the summertime our college guys come back our college guys also come back during winter break during their spring break um, and I just try to spend uh, a lot of time with my wife and kids. That's like most important thing to me. That and being on podcasts, right? The podcast. I love. I'm really pumped to be on the podcast with you guys. Uh, <laughs> this is. Uh, I'm. I'm pumped. I'm of course. The most uh, impressive thing, like I said, is your. Uh, I never heard a lady impersonate Arnold. And to me, that's, um, that's big bonus points. <laughs> Kelly's I got to give Kelly props. There was one day, uh, I've got really good impressions. We were sitting in the office, uh, John was traveling and she's like, from here on out, if you ask me a question, you also have to tell me a dialect you want me to respond in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> an accent that you want me to use. Yeah. And uh, we, that's where we did all day. For, right? Yeah. For like eight hours. And then, and then it was closing time. So, so Zach, that's how our emails build up. <laughs> Yeah, gotta keep it interesting. Well, I mean, obviously, it sounds like you're a, a crazy, crazy busy dude. I mean, when do you find time to train yourself? Do you? Yes. So I just trained 
So uh, like Mondays, Wednesdays, I drive up to Lehigh in the morning. That's 105 miles away. So it's out of state, right? Very far ride. Could take me an hour and 45 minutes if I could drive 80 miles an hour the whole way there. I'll train those guys for three hours. Then I'll drive to my uh, my first gym. That's about 70 miles away. First thing I do when I get there is I train. I train anywhere from three to five days a week. And even if it's not a full training session, then maybe throughout my day, I'm doing uh, like kind of like practice stuff in between. So I might deadlift a couple reps of a couple sets throughout the day and do uh, shoulder pressing or drag the sleds. I kind of sneak in some work. But if, if I don't train, I feel like a piece of shit. I feel like a piece of shit physically, mentally. When I train, it's actually the most, it's my most creative time. When I do like all those YouTube videos, it's like I'm training, I'm getting fired up. I, I might do a quick video in between a set or at the end of a workout. So uh, I find a way to get it done. And it's tough, especially when I have to do it at the end of a night. Most of the time I try to train in the morning. So I'll take my kids to school the days that I'm not uh, traveling up to Lehigh and come home, get my dog to the park. And then boom, I go straight to the gym and lift. And if I, you know, if you train, I, I just said that uh, this morning, I think on a video, like you start your day with a hard training session, you feel like a fucking animal. Like you feel like you're going to just crush the world that day. And uh, I understand not everybody, everybody will be like, well, not everybody could train at your schedule. You're an entrepreneur, blah, blah, blah. But let's say I wasn't an entrepreneur and I didn't have the flexible schedule. Uh, when I was a teacher, I remember on my lunch break, I would walk up the street to a playground and I'd do stuff like 50 pull-ups, 50 push-ups, 50 squats. I would find ways to train on my lunch break or just really leverage my time because I knew that the longer my day went on before I'd get to that workout, it was like the chances of me getting a full workout, you know, full-blown workout were going to diminish and uh, I hate going to sleep with regrets of any kind. It just it makes me so fucking mad. So it's like a big driving force to me is to avoid the pain of regret. You know, I, I'd rather be disciplined than regret stuff. And that's kind of how I make a lot of my decisions is I ask myself, like, you know, what, how's this going to make me feel, not feel? And I move uh, towards the challenge. I, I prefer being, you know, to challenge myself and to be uncomfortable. And uh, so I find time, I make time. And you hear people say, oh, I'm managing my time. That's a little bit of a weak word. So I just say I'm fucking controlling my time. And it just changes my mind. And then it changes the way I go about getting things done, basically. Yeah, Zach, that's one of, uh, one of my personal pet peeves. Because we have... Uh... We get a lot of feedback in terms of, hey, what is the program working? Is it not? And one of the one of the most common pieces of feedback we have is, I don't have time. And even back in my corporate days, my middle management days, when someone would come to me and be like, hey, I don't have time to do that, it was, I, I wouldn't be afraid to look them in the face and say, you are choosing not to make time to do that. Like you said, you control your time and how you spend it and how you allocate it is a hundred percent on you. And I know back here. Um, we're the same way in terms of training. It, it's like if the later in the day we get to, we are able to get in the gym, the less effective the training day is, whether that's 
psychologically, spiritually, socially, whatever. So first things first, we wake up before the sun rises, get to the gym and bang weights, and that's that's the best system we've put together. Yeah, Zach, you, you said some uh, some goal there, and I know Luke and I have heard the story of just kind of your journey to where you are right now. So you said you were a teacher, and it, and then you own two gyms now and work with Lehigh. So right. I was just curious if you could share kind of your journey as a strength and conditioning coach from teacher to where you are now. Yes, yeah, so it's like a very popular question, and I, I honestly used to say, shit, man, did, <clears throat> has nobody, like, this question's always asked, but to be honest, you know, as you guys know, through the past four or five years, the amount of information that's online is so, um, it's just so, it's it's so much, it's kind of overwhelming people, they, you know, people are like, wow, I never heard of you, I, I was following this person, that person, and uh, <clears throat> it's important to share the story, not because it's a story behind a guy who, uh, you know, overcame struggle to operate a gym. I, I, my, uh, I think like the biggest lesson that I like to share behind it is that uh, it was very hard and I could have quit and I could have given up. And, uh, and that lesson can be applied to anything in life. So when uh, I began teaching, it was the, the fall of 98. I was a first-year teacher. I was 22 years old, and uh, <clears throat> I had graduated college half a year earlier, and I was a sub substitute teacher. But um, up until that time, I was basically into what you would call power bodybuilding. I was a bodybuilder before that, but I trained at a gym that was essentially like the West Side Barbell of bodybuilding. You know, it was not uncommon to see guys benching 315. There was many people squatting 405 and plenty of them squatting over 500 bodybuilders. You saw guys doing rack pulls. I remember I was like, what the hell is that exercise on a York isometric rack? You know, I was so into the training and uh, I used to just hang around the gym when I was done. I was, you know, mentored by guys that were fucking just strong as hell. And I loved just kind of hanging around the gym, waiting for somebody to ask me to give, hey, spot me on this. Oh, how, how do you train your legs? And uh, I guess I was always kind of this teacher, trainer, coach. So uh, I got into teaching. You know, I graduated, like I said, became a health and phys ed teacher. I taught at the elementary school. And I loved the elementary school because of the energy. I hated going to the middle school and the high school because the the teachers they were just uh, they just weren't pushing. They you know they were uh, just kind of punching the clock. I mean the the shit that was going on in the in the gym was the same shit that was probably going on in the 1960s. So I was kind of wanting to be more progressive with teaching. So I used to take kids up to the playground and we would spend five, 10 minutes doing hand walking and, and monkey bar exercises and jumping and gymnastics work. And I did a lot of stuff just challenging the kids and they loved it. And uh, as the years progressed, I was teaching, I just started kind of saying to myself, shit, well, I need to start making some money in the summertime with the summers off. So I was bartending a little bit. And then I got to a point where I was like, I need to pursue you know back then they weren't really calling it strength coach it was like you're going to be a personal trainer so uh the one part of the story i don't think i've mentioned enough was the uh 
when I was first going to do like a full blown summer uh, thing, I was like, I got to fucking just train anywhere. I was applying at um, Bally's. I applied at Spa Lady. (laughs) I laugh at the shit I was doing. I was ready to train anywhere. And I remember being at the beach one day with my girlfriend and now we're married, but we were just dating at the time. And I remember seeing the phone come in on my, the phone call come in on my cell phone. And I was like, Oh shit, spa lady's calling <laughs> in the back of my head. I was, I mean, the days leading up to that, I was like, man, I can't believe I applied at spa lady. I didn't I'm fucking train just people who want to be fit. People who are want to talk to me about just shit that I'm not into. I want, when I think about training people, and I'm sorry for all the cursing, I just get fired up when I talk about this. When I think about training people, I don't say, I'm going to get you explosive. In my head, I'm like, I'm going to build you into a bad motherfucker. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. And I remember when Spa Lady called me, the lady offered me the job, and uh, and I lied. I said, oh, I'm sorry, I already took a uh, fitness coaching position or something elsewhere. And she's like, are you sure? She's like, I lined up clients for you already and just, you know, said something, I think, to make me feel bad. And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I was like, I I didn't hear back from you, so I applied somewhere else. I made up a lie. And I felt bad. I felt bad about lying. I felt bad about saying no. But I remember when I um, hung up my phone after she called me, I felt this, like, relief inside of me for finally standing up for something I believed in. You know, and uh, that was kind of the beginning of me starting to collect equipment off of uh, eBay during the earliest year of eBay uh, and off of newspaper classified ads. So I started just getting some used stuff, putting it in my garage. I lived with my parents and I started training a couple kids in the neighborhood. And uh, the first kid was a trade. I said, if you borrow your dad's truck and come with me to pick up this equipment, I'll train you all summer for free. And we went to a gym had moved, the Gold's gym had moved, and they were storing stuff in a guy's barn. And I remember we got to his house, and uh, his house was behind, like, the main road. And uh, I saw the barn, and when he opened it up, John would have been pumped up. There was some, like, old-school muscle car, a classic muscle car. There was a Harley-Davidson and then there was fucking Ivanko plates just piled high all across the barn wall. There was uh, a chin and dip bar. There were some benches. Sorry for the crazy dogs. <laughs> Hold on one second. My crazy dogs. There were some benches there, and I remember being in that barn, and I said to myself, like, holy shit, it kind of reminded me of Rocky for training in Russia and uh, all, all the old equipment that, that they were trying to get rid of. And we loaded my friend's father's pickup truck. And I remember we put the hazards on, driving down Route 1. The truck was bottoming out. <laughs> I was like, shit, I do not know if this truck's going to make it. We get to my house. I put a chin and dip bar in the backyard. You know, I didn't tell my parents anything. My dad was I think think asking like what the fuck dude <laughs> what the fuck do you think you're about to do here and um, I started training him that kid I, as a trade I started training his brother I trained a local wrestler and I was charging kids five bucks an hour to train 
and we would do a little bit of work in the garage. I had a little squat stand. I had the free weights. I had the plates, the barbell, <clears throat> the dip bar and chin tower were out in the backyard. And then I would have the kids like using stones in the backyard. They were carrying stones. They were swinging an axe on, on a uh, big tree stump and uh, was just kind of trying to train them with a mix of that old school bodybuilding stuff and stuff I saw on Rocky Four. And, uh, you know, winter, summer ended, winter came, and uh, that garage was so freezing cold that the training of others stopped. And while that stopped, I started researching. Um, I just fell in love with it, and I, I don't know, I just trusted my gut instincts. I was into it. I started researching personal training business, and uh, this is like around 2002, 2003. And I kept uh, buying any information I could, whether it was business, uh, whether it was training. And um, the at the time was that, if you guys remember, the beginning of what they called functional training. And people were saying the the training of, you know, athletes, like it's stupid if you're deadlifting, squatting, like you have to train on a stability ball, you have to train on wobble boards, you have to train on one leg. And I remember doing a little bit of that stuff. And after a little bit, I remember started saying to myself, this isn't me. Like, I'm not this guy that, that's doing this. And all those trainers were training in very fancy studios with expensive equipment with, you know, uh, tucked in polo shirts. And look, that's great. That's what they are. But I remember feeling like a bit of an outsider or an outcast. But in the root of my heart, I believed like this is me and I'm not going to deny who I am. So <clears throat> I began just evolving. And uh, when I got engaged to my girlfriend and we were looking for houses, I remember in the back of my head, I didn't tell her. I was like, I don't give a fuck where I live as long as there's a two car garage because I know what I'm doing when I get into that house. So we were looking at houses, and every time I saw a house with a garage, I, I looked for a two-car garage. That was the thing that inspired me. So we actually did find a house, had a two-car garage, and that house, the guy that lived in it before would work on his car in the garage. So the garage was heated. He had cut out a little area from the heating vent, and before we even lived in that house, I just started picking up equipment, little by little accumulating stuff plates. Uh, I started making stuff. I remember picking up my first two pairs of kettlebells. It was 550 bucks. And I remember shitting my pants saying, holy crap, I just spent half a grand on kettlebells yeah. and I don't even have that money. And um, <laughs> I began just doing all the research, not just of training, but also business. And that's when I came across a guy, Ryan Lee. <laughs> he doesn't do fitness business stuff anymore, but he really gave amazing info out and he basically spoke about leveraging your time. And that just made sense to me because of how busy I was. I would teach during the day and then I had to find a way to, you know, get the website, get photos, all these things. So from the beginning, I learned to leverage what I was doing and I began writing articles, you know, of the training of wrestlers and the training that we were doing and uh, while I was kind of getting into all this, I was, you know, like you guys said, I was a teacher. I was coaching middle school wrestling, and I was teaching a fitness class um, at a at a middle set at a um, 
at a community college in the area. So it was like my schedule was nuts. It was crazy, but I was finding time to do all this. And uh, during that time, I tore my ACL. And, you know, at the time, what I saw and envisioned was, okay, I'm going to be a teacher. I love teaching. I'm going to keep pursuing more education. I had gotten my master's degree, and I was going for my uh, supervisor degree or administrative degree. And when I tore my ACL, I just, you know, this thing came over me where I was like, that's it. You know, I fucking have broken my nose. This is going to be my second knee surgery. I've torn my shoulder. I've tweaked my back, my neck. I, I was always strong in the gym, but I was like, why am I getting hurt? This is pissing me off. I'm going to find the best way to train uh, wrestlers and to not just be a guy who could squat 455, but you're, I'm always hurt. So that inspired me to just take on a whole new animal, I guess. And from that point, during my rehab of the knee, I just started going full force. So I would like work on a website before going to work. And then during my lunch break as a teacher, I'd, I'd write articles and, you know, I was writing on a blog before it was even called a blog. It was just like, I was creating articles on my website. I was doing free seminars at wrestling clubs after teaching or on weekends. I remember I'd, I'd like go there with like index cards about shit I was going to say and do. And, and uh, I mean, I was just doing shit that people would not do to hustle. And uh, it took a very, very long time to finally get my first client to show up at my house. And once I got, I got three clients from this one wrestling club, it's like word started to spread because one kid out of those three started really uh, doing some damage. And um, in sports, especially high school sports, or sports really in general, parents, like, they they sit next to each other during football games, wrestling matches, and, I mean, they watch the kids grow up together. So what happened is this kid was just crushing it, and people were like, dude, what the hell? Like, what's your son do? I'm like, well, remember that guy that stopped by the wrestling club? We go there. And uh, people started calling, and people were training out of my two-car garage. We train in the garage. We train in the backyard. We drive down the street with a prowler and a sled in the back of my truck with some sandbags and kettlebells. And we'd like just tear up the hills, the playground, the parking lot of an elementary school. I was just training kids to be animals. And, uh, you know, to make a long story short from there, after about three or four years in that house, I finally took the leap and uh, rented my first warehouse space. And this June will be our eighth year at that warehouse space in uh, New Jersey. Um, and then the other spot has been open a little more than two years. So it was a lot of crazy hard work. I mean, there was times I was working from like 6 a.m. to 1 a.m. doing all the, you know, kind of like what you guys have going on. Like there at or at one time, John had the gym plus the seminars plus podcasting plus your blogging plus you have a membership site. So I was doing that as a one-man show. And uh, finally, I was like, man, I cannot keep teaching and doing all these things. It's just crushing family life. And I was motivated to simply have breakfast with my family. That was like all that was motivating me. So that motivated me to start off by um, 
it was my 11th year teaching. The end of the 11th year, I put in for a leave of absence for a year to kind of prove to my wife that, yes, like I'll take care of this family with my gym and my internet business. And she was super scared, of course. And uh, that kind of inspired me also that I was scared to do it. You know, I was inspired to face or harness my fears. I was inspired to just, you know, uh, make my, my kids proud so that they could see that their dad never, you know, cowered or followed people. And to me, that was all the inspiration I needed. And, uh, you know, now I got two gyms and, uh, at Lehigh. And then there's, there's also other things I do that just people don't know about. You know, I've got some, a little bit of behind the scenes stuff going on with some military units. There's, um, other like coaching things that I do that, you know, just like I can't even announce. And it's, uh, so when people kind of, we were talking about emails, people are email me be like, Hey, I'll take you out for lunch. And it's like, shit, dude, people don't even understand the work that happens. I think, uh, they just don't know or don't understand. And, uh, so I work a lot and I coach a lot. I put in sometimes nine hours a day of coaching between if I'm at Lehigh plus the gym, plus some of the other stuff that's happening, it could be nine hours of coaching and anybody who's in my shoes or like, you know, quote unquote business coaches, you know, if you're on Facebook, you see that shit all the time. Like do this and fill up your gym, dude, people don't know. (laughs) people like that don't know what it's like until you're on the ground floor. Like your boots are on the ground and you're really running a gym because I have two gyms, but each of them runs in a very unique way. You know, I, in, in that one town that I'm in, this town wants nothing to do with being strong. They want nothing to do with supporting local. They don't want nothing to do with hard work. And I remember many people, many people like, Oh, you should just shut it down, shut it down. And there was a part of me that almost believed that I should, but I'm such a believer in just fighting back and not, not letting anything defeat me that, uh, the new gym, you know, and we're only open, you know, we're not a normal morning, afternoon, evening gym. We train athletes. So we're only open in the, uh, afternoon, the, the, the gym, the new gym, the one that's two years old in a few months has something like 80 something athletes. And we're only open Tuesday through Friday and then one hour on Saturday. We're not open on Monday. We're not open on Sunday. We're open for three hours a day. And uh, I just fought back and I look back saying like, damn, if you quit when everybody tells you to quit, forget it. It's a hard road. Um, and I made a recent video saying, listen, everybody thinks they want to be a gym owner, <clears throat> but maybe you don't want to be a gym owner. Maybe you're better off just coaching because there's a shit ton of work and there's a lot of fighting that you need to do fighting with your mind, you know, fighting against resistance of the world really to, uh, do something that entails hard work, dedication, consistency, and commitment. There is a lot of resistance against that. Yeah. Luke and I checked out that Manusquan gym and it's, it's, it's pretty nice. Just kind of turf and some real old school rusty weights, some big ass tires. And a couple of your athletes then turned coaches were at the seminar. So I'm yes. just kind of curious. Uh, you get these kids and you develop them from kind of wiener kids into mental toughness, strong kids, and then eventually into coaches. You guys there? start in terms of mental toughness when they walk in. 
Yeah, yeah. We're here. Can you hear us? Yes. I, I, I uh, somehow missed you guys for a second there. What did you guys say? What was the last thing? Were um, you in, uh, can you hear text? Text, give it another try. The give it test. question was kind of you developed. All right, text, enough? Can <laughs> I think you hear, did you hear text or no? Yes, I heard him. Okay, okay. okay. Tex, go ahead. Before we, you went through that whole thing, Tex, we couldn't hear you. Tex, you may now proceed with your question. Oh, okay. Uh, Luke and I uh, just <laughs> have been to, been to Zach's gym in Manasquan, and we had a couple of his coaches who were his former athletes in attendance. So I'm just kind of curious of you develop these kids from kind of noobs. They walk in, wiener kids, and into coaches all the way from there. So we're just curious kind of where do you start in terms of mental toughness when you get that first – kid in there? Do you just kind of test him in one workout, pound him into the ground, or you just kind of uh, handheld him until you, you're ready to kick him out of the nest? Yeah, so the gym that you guys were at is actually like posh compared to the other gym. The other gym is half that size. <clears throat> There's no turf. You know, any of the, you know, outdoor training, the running work, the jump work, the sleds is all on the pavement. As far as, you know, what do we do with a new guy? When I first opened, man, every new kid that came to the gym, they got their ass kicked. I used to push them so hard. It was just nuts. And I think there was certainly a bit more of a, of a, a comfort zone because I was teaching for the first few years I owned a gym. <clears throat> and it was like, okay, I've got a steady paycheck. So I don't need anybody's money if I don't want you here. But also what I learned, something that uh, changed me was uh, a very experienced wrestling coach that I know, he's in his late 50s, maybe in his 60s, he told me that, uh, and he's from a very blue-collar, hard-nosed town, he said, he goes, you know, I used to kill the kids in the beginning. He's like, but then I learned I lost a lot of great athletes who were just missing mental toughness. He's like, so now those first two weeks <clears throat> are more of an introductory to them and then we build their mental toughness. So I, I understand now that kids will, some of them, some kids will take time to, you know, what I call turn the corner. They may not get, they may, they're not going to show up tough. It might take three weeks. It might take three months. <clears throat> Sometimes it takes a year or even longer, believe it or not. And I've, I've always noticed when they do turn the corner and I'll even give you a couple examples, but when they first come in, we give them a hard workout, okay? We do give them a hard workout. It's it's hard for them. I mean, listen, kids can't do most kids can't do one pull up or even one push up. So we could imagine what is hard for them, right? You give them a couple sets of, you know, farmer walks, couple sets of sleds, a few couplets of push ups and pull ups, and maybe some back extensions, and and they're like, oh, what's my zip code? You know, that is hard for them. So hard is a very relative term, but now I build them up. Every time it's like I just take them an inch further, an inch further, and it's the building. It's, the, it's like building small success. It's momentum for them. They come back, and I, and I have a very uh, detail-oriented mindset, so I'll be like, dude, you just did five fucking push-ups, and four weeks ago you only did one push-up. And then I say, that's fucking 400% more than a month ago. That's a 400% increase in strength. Yeah, it might only be five. I'm not going to say, oh, you need to do 50. I say, dude, that's a 400% increase in strength. Then they're like, oh, shit, that's legit. I go, now we're going to take this more serious. 
Now you're going to follow through on this. Now you're going to change your breakfast. And all of those things build toughness, not just your training. Although we hate to interrupt Zach in the middle of this great conversation about passion and motivating athletes, I promise it's for a good cause. Leading Wade's Army, the champion himself, Tex McQuilkin, brings you this message. What's up, Power Athlete Nation? Throughout the month of April, Wade's Army will be launching a campaign to financially support families in the fight against neuroblastoma. While exciting breakthroughs are being made on the neuroblastoma research front, most families begin the fight with the current standard treatment. Treatment is costly, and combining this burden with the emotional toll of the child's fight with cancer is almost too much for a family to fathom. The mission of 30 Days for Wade extends well past awareness or funding research. We are connecting with families that need our help and providing them with financial assistance. For this campaign, we feature the limited edition, cancer-kicking, brand-new Wade's Army uniform, available in all youth and adult sizes as well as the Wade's Army morale patch for your ruck or cap. Please join the fight against neuroblastoma and help us kapow cancer. You can find out more at wadesarmy.org. Thanks for your attention, and now back to the show. Okay, you're going to wake up when that alarm goes off, and you're going to make your own breakfast. And when you do that for three or four days in a row, you're going to start feeling more powerful about yourself. And then, of course, it's going to have a change to their physical so I build them up from, you know, you guys mentioned it earlier about waking up early and slamming weights. You guys said it builds your physical, your mental, and your spiritual, and that's important. So there's physical toughness, like you could handle the pain. Then there's the mental toughness, which is your body doesn't want to do it. Your mind takes over. Then you're at a point where, like, shit is hurting, your world is crashing, and then you fucking dig deep within your soul and uh, you block it all out and you move forward. And we try to get that with every kid. Does that happen? No way. It doesn't happen with every kid. And look, uh, mysteries of the mind. I think Jim Rohn said that. Jim Rohn's like, why are some people so motivated and other people not? He's like, I don't know. Mysteries of the mind. To me, it's the human food chain. Like, you, you know, I teach these kids what my goal is not so much to make you a division one football player or D one wrestler or whatever. My goal is for you to be strong for life so that the shit that you do lifting here, you apply it for life. And, uh, trust you know, me, that's a, that's a hard way to run a gym when other people are just kind of like, okay, we'll come in. We're going to do the weight loss challenge. Like that's what the majority of people want. People don't, what I'm selling is not what people truly want to buy. There's not a lot of people out there that want that. It's just what they need. And I can't do anything else. And I just never will be able to do anything else. And that might mean less money, less of this, less of that. But it means, you know, making my family proud and being able to go to sleep at night, feeling good about what I do. Yeah. I think it, uh, you made a pretty interesting point about, you know, just just the symbolism of waking up in the morning and uh, making your own breakfast. And uh, Luke and I talked about this recently. Um, we were just kind of bullshitting at the gym about people who hit snooze. And I have uh, I absolutely have no tolerance in my life, whether it was because I was raised in like a military family where the the word snooze or the act of snoozing did not exist in my family. And uh, when you wake up in the morning and you hit snooze or you hit it numerous times, you have 
basically relinquished your control of your morning, your day. Like, I know that's, it almost sounds like an exaggeration, but to me personally, it's, it is my first, uh, it's my first opportunity to take control of whatever's about to happen that day. And, um, you know, if I, if I don't, if I'm not proactive or I'm not, you know, right on top of it and I end up snoozing all morning or somebody, you know, uh, is snoozing next to me or whatever, it's just nothing really infuriates me more because of just like what it, what it sort of symbolizes about the person. I don't, I don't really think I've ever been wrong about that. Like people, you know. <laughs> well, and more specifically, like planning a multiple snooze wake up. <laughs> like I'm going to snooze. Why are you setting your alarm for that? Like, oh, I want to snooze five times. Right. And uh, I, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm up. Just hear the, my, my alarm clock is my phone and it's a subtle tweet of a little bird of morning glory. And I just wake <laughs> up like that. I jump out of bed. And I sprint to the kitchen and then snooze in there. <laughs> and then I go to sleep while I'm standing at the stove cooking eating. Yeah. You know what, um, Zach, I think you're dead on though, dude. I, I like, I like hearing you talk about how you're, you want people to be strong for life. And if that's not, if, if that's not what like the majority of people out there are looking for, then who gives a shit? You know I, what I mean? Like it, it's, it's the, the world needs more you know, trainers, coaches, strength coaches, people who want – people who are, like, passionate um, about what they do. And we had uh, – you know, recently we've had, like, Dave Tate on and Wendler. You yeah, know, I mean, those guys well, speak guys. with a passion that is totally fucking different from, like, uh, like the normal person, and you have that. Um, I'm curious to know, like, is where did that come from? You know, was there, like, a major, like, influential person in your life that just you were raised around or did it just develop? Yeah, I think through uh, wrestling has been the most influential aspect of my life. Um, that has certainly been the thing that, that uh, I always say, like, when, I'm, when I think about what it takes to succeed in life, in business, as a family man, that my coaches said it straight up outwork everybody else and fucking do it. Sometimes you just got to do it, even if you don't like it. And uh, that's why I'm so kind of devoted to the sport of wrestling, because I don't know who or what I would be without it. You know, trust me, <clears throat> I am tired throughout the day. Very tired, right? I'll be tired. Not all the time, but let's say I'm tired. I'm fucking very tired. I woke up at 445 driving here, there, everywhere. But I always tell when I do like a, a certification, I tell coaches, you never show that. You never show your your uh, your athletes that you're tired. I say on a scale of one to ten, you do a twenty. And then as far as coaching goes, you know my big earlier influences, the the correct ones came from the guys from Elite, Dave Tate, Jim Wendler. Years ago, I was on their Q and A team, and Dave always spoke with passion. Dave always had this great kind of like fatherly wisdom about, you know, being true to yourself. And Jim always says that stuff. <clears throat> he always, you know, speaks the truth. And, um, of course, I've had, you know, ups and downs. And uh, I put – I always find a way to change my frame of reference. When I think of what's hard, you know, I think about <clears throat> my grandparents. You know, they escaped the Holocaust, and they – my grandfather fought in three different – militaries from Poland to Russia to the Israeli army. 
And sometimes I think to myself, like, what a fucking chicken shit I am if I dare complain. Like, that's just, it's such, it's just ridiculous. Um, and then there's a, you know, there's, I, I gain inspiration from everything. You know, on my phone, <clears throat> my screensaver is my two kids. If I, if I'm, ha- if I need to get my shit together, I, all I got to do is look at that. And then weird things like, you know, I used to uh, regularly talk with the ultimate warrior. We used to talk on the phone, man, at least uh, once a week, sometimes every other day. And, uh, it was funny. Like I related to him so much and he related to me about just being intense. And, um, I guess the people that I've connected with the most, I, I saw that that's what they did is they, they stood for something and that's what I try to teach these young these younger athletes uh, the same thing because even their own parents will hold them back perhaps not knowingly you know the kids might get busy with in season right it's in season first thing parents say is quit you're too busy we're gonna stop you know as soon as shit gets hard everybody quits ninety nine percent of people quit. Why, why do we need other, why are we telling other people, why are we telling our own kids to fall in line with, you know, quote unquote, everybody else. So I just fight back against, against that crap. And I change my frame of reference. I've been around the right people and I've made mistakes and, and, uh, you know, life is, is a lot about the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And I have regrets in my life where, they, they, it's like it's a, it will haunt you forever, and that is very much what, what likely drives me so much because I don't want other people to feel that pain, but some people, like, I'm just, you know, mysteries of the mind. <laughs> some people, it's like maybe they just want, they, they don't want the pain right now, and they're, they don't understand that down the road that shit is going to eat them alive, um, and I see it from you know, the division one level to all over the place. It's, it's everywhere. And, uh, I just fucking like to, to stand, stand for what I believe in. Like, like I said, I mean, I know I talk a lot. I talk too much. I get fired up with this, but you know, I put on Instagram yesterday, the new uh, graffiti we have at my other gym that uh, Luke and Tex weren't at. And it's a logo of the Punisher. It's the Punisher logo. And there's inspiration behind it from Chris Kyle. The American flag is put inside the Punisher logo because I want to remind myself that we have freedom. You know, I wasn't born in this country. My All of my family has been in the military. And uh, 9-11 happened in New York City. And I was able to, to see the cloud and everything right from our backyard. And... I just remind myself, like, we're, I have freedom. And the Punisher logo, you know, the Punisher was basically like he was a vigilante. He defeated evil. And weakness is evil inside of you. Weakness is, is the thing inside of you that allows you to make excuses and to just be average and to be a clock puncher, to just show up and exist. And I have – I don't want any of that shit in my body. <laughs> and uh, so I put things in my life that – Uh, remind me all the time to press forward and that's what just uh, allows me I don't know if we want to call it successful but I'm doing what I want to do and I'm inspiring and changing lives of other people 
because I'm not Mr. Popular, you know, I think there's a lot of people that hate how intense I am, but I, I can't tone it down. It's just, that's, that's what I am. I, I'm, I'm a wrestler. It's like in me. Um, and I just don't know how to not be intense. It's sometimes a little bit, maybe not a good thing. So I got a training training question, kind of like say you're a wrestler. I don't know if you you played football or not, but do you approach kind of weight class athletes the same as you would a football? So our big thing is we got to put pounds on that kid. I'm curious, do you take you know a 135 pound wrestler who can't gain an ounce, the same program as a 135 pound that's got to he's got to gain 20? So that's a great question. I want to preface it saying I, I wish I played football because. Football would have made me meaner because I would have been used to hitting people and it would have had a greater carryover to my wrestling. And I would have been in the weight room back then. The football team, I wrote about that football team in my book um, about how those guys, they, they won the States twice when I was in high school and uh, they were just fucking throwing around big weights. So how do I, how do I approach the weight class thing? The, you know, in the beginning, everybody's on a general template, you know, learning the movements. They're learning squatting. They're learning kind of clean and press. They're learning push-ups. They're learning stabilization of the trunk. They're learning how to integrate their entire body during every exercise, whether it's a upper body or lower body focused exercise. As soon as an athlete begins training with us, we give them some basic nutrition guidelines. Uh, most of these athletes just eat either not enough or they eat like shit. So when they follow our guidelines, it's like the goal of what is needed for them happens. If they're carrying a lot of excess fat, they start leaning out and putting on, you know, they start getting building muscle. They start getting rid of their gut and just they stop looking like a pear, basically. And then the, the kids that are skinny and weak, um, they start putting on the muscle and getting strong. So when I think of the training of an athlete, I don't want us to say, oh, he's a big guy. He's supposed to use more weight than me. Oh, he's a light guy. He's supposed to be better than me at the body weight exercises. So we want everybody to be able to move their body. We've had guys 275 pounds doing, you know, 10 plus reps of glute ham raises, climbing ropes without their legs, doing handstand pushups. And then we have light guys weighing, you know, 140 pounds deadlifting 315 we will i want it all <laughs> i want it all so when i say i want to build a bad motherfucker i look at everything um but we do tweak things so if i'm we have a general workout on that board but let's say you're the guy that's not putting on the muscle then maybe somewhere in that workout i'm going to throw in some bodybuilding work you know, you're going to do three sets of 15 to 20 reps of dumbbell benching. You're going to do some longer time under tension of farmer walks. You're going to do uh, bodybuilding work, you know, that, that three sets of 10 to 15 reps with challenging weights. Or let's say they're squatting and we're doing six sets of two. I might say, okay, now I want you to do uh, two sets of 10 reps uh, at that first or second weight that we were at. And those little tweaks make some big changes and they start putting on the muscle. So uh, I, that's called the art of coaching. I change things as we, as we need to. Like at Lehigh, uh, Monday, my first group was just hyped up. They were fired up. They went through the workout that I had planned. It was a, you know, what I would call a science-based workout, right? But then that next group, they were like a little bit sluggish. I was like, what the fuck? 
you know, I was pissed. And I was like, these guys are just going to get smashed. And we just fucking killed the gym. And, and I needed a workout that was going to train them mentally, not so much say get your deadlift up because I've seen many guys that could squat bench and deadlift twice as much as some guys, but they suck on the football field. I call that being strong and useless. I don't want that. I want agile, mobile, hostile. So I'm building it all. And, you know, if you see me uh, running a training group, it's, uh, you know, there's different things happening at the same time. And that's, that's a tough way to train that might, and that's, I always tell coaches, I go, but that's the right way to train because some kids aren't ready for a deadlift. They might need to do a trap bar deadlift. The kid that's not ready for the trap bar deadlift has to do a kettlebell goblet squat. The kid who can't even really squat all the way down, I'm going to use a box for him to make sure he goes to depth all the time. And then I'm going to throw in hip mobility for him and I'm going to make him do it at home also. So I look at every workout is an assessment, the warm up, the workout, every exercise, I'm always assessing what does this kid need? And then I attack and I move with what they need, not with what everybody needs, but it begins to get very individualized. I have another training question, actually, if I, if I may hop in here. Um, I know that your ACL injury was a huge setback for you and like it changed you mentally from that point on and it really provoked you to want to make sure that things like that never happened to anyone else because of the pain and obviously how it, it puts you out of training for such a long time. Um, you know, nobody who's, let alone if you're passionate about training, nobody should have to, you know, go through that unnecessarily. Uh, what, how would you, um, how did you approach training differently from that point in order to prevent other athletes from going through the same thing? What, what lessons did you glean from that? And then, you know, were there uh, sort of uh, prehab type things that you would look for in athletes? Like, okay, this athlete is, has a higher propensity for getting an ACL injury based on these things that I've seen, um, you know, just kind of your attack for that. Yeah, so what's interesting is uh, the first thing I stopped doing was I stopped doing uh, the typical bodybuilding exercises, leg extensions, leg curls. And also, I mean, it's, you know, when a car breaks down, it's not because, you know, you guys drove it from uh, wherever. You drove it from New Jersey uh, to New York City. Your car breaks down from all the shit you've been doing leading up to that. So I used to do a lot of distance running. I mean, look, we're talking the early 90s. I was distance running for a power sport. Yeah, this is obviously pre-power athlete radio, or I would have been fucking smarter. <laughs> but I did all the old school stupid stuff. Uh, the human knee is not meant to be smashed on a mat or any surface a thousand times a day, you know, for 120 days in a row. And, I mean, I, I wrestled year-round. I beat the crap out of my body and I, uh, I just took it. I, I never wanted to listen. I would train 30 days in a row. I mean, I did stuff that was just insane. And I think I just, the whole buildup of everything, uh, when it finally tore, it didn't tear doing anything crazy. Uh, I, I was wrestling with a guy and he literally just went to do a simple back trip. He kicked my heel and boom, my ACL popped Please. and uh, did it tear because of that, it tore because of everything I did leading up to it. 
Um, so what I do now, obviously, is we don't have a bodybuilding gym, but there's some serious issues with uh, who's going to have an ACL injury. So it's people that have some very poor hip mobility or very shitty ankle mobility where you see a lot of knees caving in and collapsing, whether it's a weighted or a non-weighted exercise. So, you know, Kelly Starrett, the first time uh, I met him was in uh, in Miami at the CrossFit affiliate gathering, and they were introducing all the uh, SMEs, the subject matter experts, and you got like Brian McKenzie, Tony Blauer, and uh, K-Star's like, he's like, well, you got Tony Blauer that could teach you how to kill people. You got Brian McKenzie that could teach you how to run a hundred miles. And he's like, and I'm the flexibility guy. He's like, how lame is that? <laughs> and, uh, you know, now we know that if your body doesn't move properly, it, it you're, it's, it, you're an accident waiting to happen. It's just shit is going to ha- shit is going to happen. So before anything is I'm teaching them how to move properly. And if that means, it's going to take way longer than you want to take to uh, put weight on your back to do a squat with a bar. I don't care. You know, why does a high school, why does a kid tell me he could do a 405 back squat at high school, but then when he squats at my gym, we're at 185. And that's the problem is that you could train them as good as you want nowadays in high school, but now we're trying to undo or battle all the stupid shit that's going on everywhere. So it's like you're unfucking the things that are getting fucked up and it's, it's tough. So what I do is I give kids to do not just at the gym, but at home. So if they can't squat all the way down, I say, dude, at home, I want you spending five to 10 minutes a day in the bottom of that squat. I want your lower back and upper back flat. I want your feet flat. I don't want your knees collapsed. I go, if you're on the phone with your girlfriend and she asks you what you're doing, You tell it that you're squatting. (laughs) You are, I tell them straight up that being a football player or a wrestler or whatever sport, I go, it's not, I say football is not the middle of August to Thanksgiving. Wrestling is not Thanksgiving until the end of February. I go, it's all day, all year. It's everything you do here. It's everything you do at home. It's the movies you watch. It's the books you read or don't read. It's the people you hang out with or choose not to hang out with. And I think, that's what I'm saying about injuries is it all adds up, you know, your, your lack of hip mobility, you're not wanting to do soft tissue work, uh, your poor warming up, your excessive jumping, sprinting, um, you always going at 100 miles an hour instead of sometimes backing off, the fact that you don't drink enough water, all of these things add up and the less right things we do, the more likely somebody is to get hurt. So I'm trying to, when I am training athletes, it's not just training. I'm trying to train them in things that are to be done when you're not with me. Because most athletes train with us two, maybe three days a week. Two to three hours out of whatever the hours total up per week. Um, You know, a lot of things could go wrong outside of the gym. And listen, people could get hurt in the gym. Any serious athlete has hurt himself in the gym. Except for Kelly Starrett. I want to always ask him what he does if he ever hurts himself. <laughs> but, well, he just sits there and stretches, you know? Yeah. That's, <laughs> I think, what Kelly does. does. He fucking has the answer for everything. It it's, uh, bothers me. <laughs> that he's so goddamn perfect with that shit. I want to know. <laughs> but our athletes, they don't know, or they're forced into multiple coaching situations. Not to yeah. say 
I am the end-all, be-all, you know, holy grail. But um, coaches are just not up to snuff with stuff. I mean, I've walked into weight rooms seeing tons of quarter squats, round back, jumping jack looking power cleans, um, benching without the bar touching your chest, forced reps, three to five reps per set, like round back everything. And uh, the coaches don't don't uh, know that that's wrong. You and know, Zach, what's, yeah. what's interesting too is uh, you started off your answer to my question by saying uh, under your own volition – you were running, um, doing your bodybuilding training too. So you're doing high volume running and bodybuilding and stuff. And that's, it was like miles on a car, you know, it was only a matter of time, um, type thing. And unfortunately, and Tex will completely attest to this. And I'm sure you can too. You have, you have, you know, hundreds of thousands of athletes out there who are not, uh, not running under their own volition. And in fact, are being forced to run when it's really not applicable to their sport and not just like, I'm not talking about sprinting. I'm talking about like high volume running, running because, you know, they're being punished, running because they're late, running because, you know, they're, they're, they're best way to get you in yeah, shape. best way to get you in shape or, or, or yeah, somebody's birthday, you run, somebody died, you run. It's horrible. Look, I see it. I drive through town here, Manasquam. One of the kids I train is a shot put thrower and a discus thrower. They all run. They run like a 5K to warm up. Jesus. And here's what that is. That's oh, coaches, terrible. right? That's coaches who are clock punchers. That means Lazy. I'm fucking yeah. I pay your fucking coaching salary with my tax dollars. I don't care. What I do care is that you all. There's so much information out there. The opportunities to learn are endless. The only the only person who's uh, to blame for not building champions, not just in sports but in life, is the person you know. You look yourself in the mirror. And I remember that happened when I was first training a guy out of my garage. He was a football player, and then he joined spring track to run shot. Everybody on spring track, regardless of you being an 800 runner, a one-mile, a 400, a 100-meter, a shot putter, they all went for a three-mile run warm-up. Jeez. What does that do? I always see it. What do the, the coaches get themselves a nice 20 minutes to kick back and talk to each other? See, I can't live that way, and I can't accept that and it's just unacceptable way in anything. It's 100%. Just not the right thing to do. Yeah, 100%. You don't have to accept with, that. With sport coaches, 100%. But we've also noticed a kind of a habit with many strength and conditioning coaches lately, and that's they try to get you into positions as soon as they meet you. So I, I've been fortunate to travel to a lot of weight rooms, and coaches are trying to force people to standards, to depths, and all this. And I think it's a different approach that we take. And Zach, I know you'll agree. It's we're focusing on posture and position and execution, and not we don't have to get you into this position today. And if you can't do it, here's what we're going to do: go to K-Star stuff or apply these tools as your homework. So strength and conditioning coaches are almost forcing people into bad habits, and I think that's extremely unfortunate for any developmental athlete at the high school level or middle school or even just kind of getting into fitness later in life. Yeah, it's it takes time, and the the you know the honest truth is, um, as an independent strength coach, not all parents are willing to invest in the money of the time it takes to really train somebody. You know, you're training somebody for three months, and then the parents are like, oh, whatever, he's busy, you know, and then they stop, and it's like, damn, you're making some good progress, and it could get even better from there, um, and unfortunately. 
they are, you know, they want to, they want to pull the plug. It's, uh, and, and then, you know, like I said earlier, you're, you're dealing with all these outside forces. You're dealing with just coaches who look, the bottom line is some coaches don't care. And, uh, to me, I'll always be a teacher. And that's why you always hear me say the kids are number one. Why do I say that? Because when they're competing in high school, those four years go by so fast. And, uh, I don't want to let them have that pain of regret where they're like, Oh, I wish I didn't get hurt. Oh, I wish, you know, and it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of stuff kind of like uncontrollables that an independent coach like myself just can't control. You know, look, I email coaches all the time to help them out. And, uh, I email most of these are losing teams with losing records and no success at all. These coaches don't even respond to an email. See, to me, that's unacceptable. That's un, that's just shouldn't happen. And uh, here's what it has to change. Parents out there have to stand up and say, listen, why does my kid always lay Why are my kids always last place? Why does my son's football team keep getting their ass kicked? Can we please do something about this? But no, everybody's afraid to stand up and, and like speak, I guess. Like they're afraid to buck the system. But that's how change is made. You have to, you've got to, uh, you know, I always say this lately, stand for something or fall for anything. And I guess, you know, that's why that Punisher logo, he's kind of like the vigilante. He's out there, you know, killing, you know, the bad. And uh, coaches have a lot more responsibility than they care to know or perhaps that they even know. I mean, it's just, I want to see kids succeeding. I don't know. This is, I guess, a bad thing out there. (laughs) Well, no, it seems like that you'll, you know, like you're saying you should, the parents should have some accountability. Um, You hear about situations where the coaches are like, you know what, Uh, the parents need to do more. And then the parents are saying, you know, why, why is my kid always coming in last? Like they're putting more responsibility on the coach. And it seems to just kind of go like nobody wants to step up to the plate in you know, like in in uh, like general uh, like general stories you hear. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of examples out there of parents who are more involved um, training their kids athletically at home or building kind of like a harder work ethic. Um, but that's why Zach wrote the book. parents. But that's I guess that's the thing. You know, people always tell me like, you're not going to change everybody. You're not going to say, but uh, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to. I want to change the world. Uh, my biggest, you know, focus is the this like younger generation because uh, I just I see what it does when a kid is weak, not succeeding in sport. Then you train them, and you know maybe in the beginning everybody thinks they're train. Oh, he's training my son for football, for baseball, for wrestling, for swimming. And yes, I am, but I know what it does for a kid who walks the hallways with his head down because they, he keeps losing a wrestling match or they keep getting their ass kicked in football. It crushes your self-esteem. It's embarrassing, and you, they feel less of themselves. But they're not. It's not where they are now. It's what they can become. And that's why we need coaches out there um, that are going to make these changes or parents that could, you know, listen, if you're a parent – 
then go, you know, then go to uh, a CrossFit football, go to a power athlete seminar, listen to the podcast, um, listen to the interviews and find a way to help your own, you know, find a way to help your own kid. You mean, you know, if, if nobody else can help, then you need to, you need to help yourself. You need to find a way. And uh, some parents don't want to put in the time. They don't want to drive their kids and do that stuff. And uh, so I, I don't want to be on my soapbox here. I'm just no. fired up. That's the way I am. And I want to help people all around the world be strong because it's it, your life is better when you're strong. That's it. And and you're going to get knocked down. You know, no, I mean, if, in high school, you're, you're walking, you know, your, your head's hanging low because you're embarrassed. You got your ass whooped. I mean, when you get out and in the adult life, it's not like that shit stops. Yeah. You know, you constantly get kicked in the nuts. And, and half of it is how you – do you learn from that? Or do you just, you know, play it safe like everybody else and bury your head in the sand and don't take risks or challenge yourself or do anything and, and never really grow, just become stale? You know, or do you fucking – it's how you pick yourself up and and, and what, do, what do you – what is that – act taught you and how are you going to become a better person from that it is that is the truth you know and mark bell told me because he we talk a lot and he sees i'm always fired up i'm inspired he said you know when uh, i was coaching football he goes the head coach used to cry almost every day after practice he used to cry because he was so passionate and the other kids weren't as passionate as he was and he couldn't figure out why and, uh, you know, he was teaching them more than X's and O's. You know, he was using football to teach them about life. And so uh, Mark learned from that instance that, you know, people will just not be as passionate as you are. And sometimes you have to be a little bit cold-blooded and just say, okay, all right, they just won't be as passionate as you are. But um, that is hard. That's just hard. That's just hard to just accept that, like, why, like, come on. Just be fucking awesome. Just try to do it. Just try to be better than you are yesterday. Um, and I don't know how I'll be able to make a bigger impact, but, uh, you know, I want to make a bigger impact. That's it. I want I want to. And if the parents don't want to help the kids, then I need to connect with the kids and teach them to just, you know, be strong for themselves. And, uh, you know, one day I really hope – but I think it would not <laughs> – when I think of it, I always say, well, one day I'm just going to train. I'm going to have money in this way where I could have a gym that's not a business, where it's like – it's all free. And I and I could start them and, and I could get all like kids training and I have people that are coaches and all this stuff. But what I've learned is that nobody respects free. You know, when I train large teams and they get like a group discount – I learned that those same people with these large discounts, they don't say thank you. You know, they're ready to quit and they're always wondering, you know, they want a $40 refund or some shit. You know, it's like people just don't respect free, not just free of money, but free of work. And when you put in the work, it's like you owned it and you just feel, you know, you feel good about it for, for things to change. Shit, man. I, I feel like, Kids need to listen to my podcast, to your podcast. They need to, like, hear some of those old-school Ultimate Warrior, you know, rants on videos when he's like, hey, man, sometimes he's like, you just got to get fucking raw and intense. 
some kids need to hear that shit. Sometimes, you know, like, but what happens in school? They become robots. My, my son is in kindergarten. I remember the first few days, like, his class would line up, and the rest of the kids were running around. But the first grade, they were, like, running on the playground. And I was like, holy fuck, they're turning into robots. My son's going to be a fucking robot. <laughs> I fucking, I screamed to one of the kids that I knew from the neighborhood. I said, go tell Ethan he could run. She walks up to Ethan. She's like, Ethan, you could run. He's like, threw his book bag. He's like, ah, he went running like crazy. And I was like, holy shit. He was like a robot a little bit there, and it freaked me out. I don't <laughs> want my kids to be, you know, that's what happens in the schools. It's the rules and the, you know, one of the kids we train, this girl is amazing. She's 16. She entered a powerlifting meet uh, two weeks ago, and she deadlifted, I think, 355. She weighs 132. 130 pounds. Yep, deadlifted. Nice. Squats, 185. Ass to grass and uh, benched 135 or 145. So uh, she told me that she hates school. She's like, you're sitting all day. Your hip flexors are getting fucked up. She says all this funny stuff. And she goes, no, I'm going to write a note to my principal because in gym class, you know, which is supposed to be called physical education, but it's gym. And that's what it is. It's there. It's a gym. It's like, she's like, we're, we sit on scooters. They're 16 year old. She's like, we're on scooters or we just don't do anything. Or we uh, are allowed to go on the track and walk. And she's like, I want to go into the weight room and I'm going to write a note to my principal. And, uh, she goes, so I wrote a note to the principal. My principal said she knows you. I was like, yes, that was my English teacher when I was in uh, uh, junior year in high school, whatever. She's like, so the principal spoke to me and said, you know, I don't know. She had some weird excuse about why this girl cannot go to the weight room instead of going to um, – instead of, but she has to be in the gym. It was a lie. It's because people don't want to, like, break the rules. This girl wants to fucking squat and deadlift. She wants to be strong. She loves to be strong. And um, the school is basically saying, maybe not, not right now, because she's breaking away from the norm. And I think it's great. I told her, I said, you're fucking awesome. I go, and you're right. I go, sitting down all day and all that shit, it is killing your hip flexors and all that. But I said, this is life. It's not always your way. And I said, it's awesome that you stood up for yourself. And well, that's, like that's, that's it right there. Yeah, so, so Zach, you'll have to tell her, when I was in high school, I, I wanted the same thing. And, in fact, I took uh, physical education, and it was exactly like what you're talking about. I mean, it's bullshit. Um, and what I ended up doing is, since I didn't have uh, – they wouldn't let me access the weight room on my own during that period, um, it was just, you know, so coincidental that the entire football team had an entire period dedicated to lifting weights. So I shifted my classes around, and I got permission to lift out a lift with a football team. And um, there was myself and eventually one other girl, and it was like 50 football players, and they, they couldn't say no to us at that point because uh, officially the football team wasn't supposed to be working out during school hours, um, and so they couldn't restrict enrollment to anybody else, and they certainly couldn't make it a gender thing. And so I ended up, you know, banging weights in there, and uh, the, the rest was history. And then I, like, campaigned for that to be an open class to anyone who wanted to do it. And eventually the school opened it up to everyone. So 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely possible. So she's just, you know, have her look into some more options and just because, you know, that they, they close that door doesn't mean that there's not another door she can get in through. Yeah, you're right. I'm going to, I'm going to keep telling her and I love it. She stands, uh, you know, she stands up for what she believes in. And I think we need to empower girls to believe that. And to me, that's important because I, you know, I also have a daughter and, uh, I want her you know, she's, she's young, right? So she sees the other, I guess, side of being a girl. And, uh, I like that she will come to the gym and they'll, they'll swing around on the ropes and push an empty sled around without, I don't say do this, do that. I let them do it. And, uh, I remind her that it's, it's very important and it's great to be strong and there's beauty in being strong. And because I want that in her mind, because I know down the road, what will I know that boys she'll be stronger than boys and they'll be like, Oh girls, you're not supposed to be strong. And I never want her to believe that shit. Never. And more girls. That's why I like seeing a lot of the ladies out there being coaches and showing and demonstrating their strength because they're setting the standard for that next generation of young ladies that uh, they need these kind of mentors and role models. And that's a lot of times how, how young kids do find their role models and mentors, not necessarily in face-to-face format, but through technology, through podcasts, through YouTube videos. That's, that's their uh, way of, you know, influence now. So it's awesome. And I think more women should uh, embrace and share it. So it's important. Very the thing important. is, you know, and the funny thing is I don't even like, and, and I'm not trying to be like a douche. It's not even like a woman thing to me. It's just like an anybody thing. It's not, it's not fucking fair. If you're, if, if it could be anyone, it could be somebody who's too, like, like could be 14 and they're only letting 15 year olds in, you know what I mean? Like, fuck, if you can like, if you can move a barbell, like you should be able to lift weights, you know, it's just like, it just seems like an opportunity um, I know we only have you for a little bit longer, so Denny, want to circle up with any questions that uh, remain for Zach? Yeah, we have uh, a couple guys on our forum. Wanted you kind of touched on some of this, but uh, one guy uh, he he writes. Uh, I have a ton of respect for Zach. I'm a member of his inner circle. Lots of great information. Uh, he wanted to ask you about linear progressions yes um how how the heavy conditioning method of underground strength would help uh like linear progression a plan like a linear progression with high school kids right so we don't i mean our training really isn't uh i don't know if uh, it's not a heavy conditioning it's more of a strength endurance power endurance so we will do couplets um, or we'll do um, contrast training. So we might do something like um, a heavy squat followed by jumps or jumps into a squat or, um, you know, a heavy push and a heavy pull. So we're building some overall stamina, but, you know, strength endurance. So a linear progression can be done, but what we do is uh, we just use mini cycles. And there's a couple reasons behind it. Mini cycles meaning We'll, we will use a, uh, a program for two weeks, maybe three weeks in a row, but usually two weeks in a row, and then we switch it. But we're always doing, you know, we pretty much do upper, lower day, and then a full day. 
Sometimes we do all full body workouts if I want more athleticism. But if you're doing a linear progression and it's like week one, five sets of 10, week two, add a little five by eight, week three, five by six, there's a very different discipline um, internally, emotionally that a 15 or 16 year old athlete has compared to people of our age, coaches, and, you know, who are young adults, adults, you know, if we were, if we were told, if we said we approach somebody, let's say we're talking, let's say I'm just I go to you guys. I say, guys, I need to get my squad up. I need, this is it. I need it. I tell me what to do. You're like, this is what you can do, Zach. You're going to squat for 12 weeks. And on week one, it's this. Week two, it's this. And you're not like week two, week one, box squat. Week two, front squat. Week three, zercher squat. Week four, uh, squatting with chains. Week five with bands. I would be disciplined enough and say, you tell me what to do. I'll fucking squat every day. But when you're talking with younger athletes, and that's what people see us doing, see me using a lot of, my younger athletes, <clears throat> they need the variety or they get bored. And when they get a little bit bored, they lose intense intensity and passion. So you kind of trick them into it. So they might squat on a box for two or three weeks in a row. And then the next two to three weeks, no box. Then the two to three weeks after that might be a front squat or a zercher squat um, or kettlebell squat. So they're squatting, but it's a different squat variation. And that keeps them coming back. They love the change. They love uh, the change. They don't do well with a you know strict program with minimal uh, variety. Now, for my own workouts, um, I also use variety, but there's times where I will just bench with that straight bar for months and months and months, and it works great. I have my own discipline. So uh, <clears throat> linear progression, I think, is pretty good, but uh, it also depends on your level. Some people have found that once you kind of hit a certain level of strength, linear progression doesn't work, and you have to go to more of a conjugate method where you're using, you know, max effort, dynamic effort, repetition method, and you're cycling through your percentages. But then you have guys, you know, that are killing it with linear progression, um, Ed Cohn emphasized that stuff a lot. Marty Gallagher, um, who trained Kirk Kowarski, they do linear progressions. So I found that training has to kind of suit and match people's personality types. And I, I don't discriminate against the different training methods. I mean, it really does all work, especially when you believe in it first and foremost. Yeah, can't argue with the results. Yeah, like if you believe in just the barbell – and then I start telling you that you got to use dumbbells and kettlebells. And in the back of your head, you're always you, like you're doubting it. You're putting it down. You're not going to get results. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's so, all right, you love the barbell. We're going to squat, deadlift, front squat. And you're going to thrive on that because that's like your belief system. You know, that's why some people, uh, they could be very intense and do and they, and they thrive on volume. This is, and then you got the other person who's more into like the scientific dialed in approach, wants to journal every workout, you know, times their rest periods. If you push that person outside of the scientific realm, he will not thrive and he or she will not make progress. 
Yeah, it's funny. We were talking to Wendler about the same thing, and he was like, yeah, you know, there's some people out there who like kettlebells. Kettlebells are the answer to everything. And then there's like the people who are like, the Bosu ball is the answer to everything. It's like, you're crazy, man. I like you. You're crazy, but you're fucking... You're off, after it. You're off the rails. Get after it. If it's working for you, like whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. So Jim, yeah, he's like got that five three one, and and it's a system. <laughs> if you're into following a system mm-hmm. um, and basics, then you will thrive under Jim's uh, program five three one. Yeah. Pretty much linear periodization right there. Yep. What else? The guys? other question. The other question we had, you had already touched on. Uh, he just really was. Wondering, like, uh, your approach to training some of your younger athletes, and I think you've kind of answered that question pretty well already. Yeah. Maybe he meant, like, I'll tell you, like, our middle school athletes, I don't, tr- I, I mean, you could train athletes younger than middle school, right? We look at all the old uh, Russian and European training. They just did a lot of gymnastics work. They mixed up all the sport activities. I don't train kids until they're usually midway into sixth grade, not because they're not physically ready. You know, my job is to get them physically ready, but mostly because it's a very intense environment. And I need somebody who's got a little bit like they're emotion, emotionally can handle that. So our younger ones tend to be uh, wrestlers. They've been around wrestling for a few years. They're used to just, you know, sprinting and doing push-ups and climbing ropes or just kind of being in the fight. So they won't be like a, you know, a, a fish out of water when they show up. So our younger middle school athletes, we, uh, when we're training them, they don't, they don't, you know, do obviously back squats, delves. They do a lot of sled work, light kettlebells, all different types of medicine ball throws, a lot of band exercises, rope climbing, partner exercises, uh, partner wheelbarrow, holding your ankles. So we do a lot of that stuff, and the intensity is very low, and the weights are super light. And I always say they're done before they're done. I always send them out of the gym like way before they're tired. And then in seventh grade, I ratchet ratchet it up a little more. Then once they're like late into eighth grade, we start really pushing and start saying, okay, we're going to be pretty serious with this now. You're going to take it serious. We're going to start making some progressions. But listen, I've got some uh, seventh graders stronger. You know, they're 11 or 12. They're stronger than 15-year-olds. Why? Because we built them up. And they train once, maybe twice a week. I mean, some of – I started training this Pop Warner football team when I opened the gym. And they're stronger than a lot of the high school kids that came from that same town. And it's because they were built up. And they didn't go heavy at all. It was just their technique, technique. It built up their tendon strength, and it was like just built them up. So uh, that would be. I remember my first bench press in uh, seventh grade. That's when we all had to start lifting. And if you didn't hit 85 pounds, you basically were put in the speed group, and you had to go run every day instead of lift weights. So thank (laughs) God I hit that 85. Oh my God! Is that, that why you're so slow right that now? Lo- that logic is uh, flawless. That is terrible. Hey, that's my, that was my amateur progression start. Dude, I've been doing long distance. Then I would be a cross country pool instead of the masculine. Just the the man that you see before you. Until a coach measured your legs and realized they were four inches long. <laughs> 
Hey, I'm six yards fast, but that's all I got to be. I don't have the figures in front of me, but that you're not a cross country athlete. <laughs> hey, I uh, had a 5:30 mile in college. I can, I can, I got getaway sticks, Kelly. Yeah, what, what kind of? Oh, that's a fucking DC mile. That's Ooh, like four didn't blocks. Didn't have 5:30 mile in college. Hey, hey, Zach, <laughs> I, I got a question for you. Um, you, you sound like a man who, who potentially uh, gets a lot of motivation, and influence from the cinema movies. Do you have any go-to movies, like old-school movies that you like to? I mean, you've referenced Rocky now um, yeah. a couple times, and and I I've heard you reference you know some movies and other podcasts. So I mean, is there any like good scenes or lines that get you pumped up? Um, for some reason I've been uh, it's not that old, but Gladiator. Like I like oh. when he's like going out for the first movie. And he's like, we will have a better chance surviving if we do this together. And when they're, like, going to, like, hit the uh, chariot, he's like, as one. And um, I think of that when I'm training teams. When I'm training Lehigh Wrestling Team, I'm like, we got to fucking bleed together. That's it. You know, you might – it is an individual sport, but we need to bleed and suffer together, and that raises – intensity and then there's a unique bond where you start not wanting to let down you know your brothers uh and to me that shit is really powerful and of course when i'm put on the spot i fucking could never remember the movies but i think every like rocky one through four i mean that shit has to be watched um there's no two ways about it you gotta watch those movies all the you know the the overcoming resistance, the the internal battles Rocky has with himself, the old school training. I mean, there's a lot. There's so much to be learned from that. What about what about just bad movies that you don't want to admit that you really like, like that have nothing to do with motivation whatsoever? Anything for Russell. I wish I had more time to watch bad movies. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you how you do that. You book a flight to South Africa and you'll watch all the bad movies in the world. Yeah. Well, what's a, like? Uh, you guys tell me what's a bad movie. I'll see if that strikes something with me. And I oh. remember Big bad Trouble movie. in Little China. There's good bad and then there's bad good. Yeah, well listen, back in the day, like certain movies you thought they were so great. I remember in I remember in uh eighth grade watching Bloodsport all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, This movie is fucking awesome. He's you know, he's catching fish with his hands, the the all the fighting and just that I thought that that shit was awesome. And there was a, a couple of days ago, I'll tell you, actually, great. Now we're talking. Now we got, I got a bad movie. Uh, I got home, I get home very late Monday, Wednesday night. But usually when I get home, that's when my wife and kids are about to go to bed. So I put everybody in bed and then I'll eat a late dinner. And I was watching Lionheart with Van Damme. Oh, yeah. Wearing like, awesome. you know, he, like, he jumped off this, like, uh, this ship. And he was wearing like Z Cavaricis. <laughs> and those were supposed to be like the clothes he got from prison. So uh, probably any Van Damme movie is pretty bad. The Time Cop, uh, Double Trouble. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you a movie that I thought was amazing. And then just a couple year, years ago realized how bad it was. And, uh, and it's actually, well, I mean, we're a little bit late on it, but 
uh, Boondock Saints. I thought that was great movie. Was my amazing. brother's favorite movie. I, the listen, the first time I watched that movie, I watched it with my mom. And <laughs> I was like, this movie sucks. Tell me it wasn't like you can't watch that movie with your mom, Denny. Now, now let me let me. But, <laughs> Let that's me, your let first me. problem. You watch the Boondock Saints with your mom. That, that's what my brother told me. He's like, dude, you can't watch the movie with mom. And think yeah, it's I didn't, cool. um, I've heard that movie. Oh, but you so know what's good. interesting is my uh, father-in-law is a big movie guy, but he always watches like sci-fi channels. So it's not even like a B movie. It's like a D movie. And I saw him, uh, you know, you can't go over your father-in-law's house and be like, dad, change the channel. But he was watching like Attack of like the giant piranhas. <laughs> that was the stupidest. It's probably shark to puss. Horrible. But what I've been doing, because my son will be over there and calls him Pop Pop, he'll watch those movies. So my son is six, but since age three, like we've been watching all of the Arnold movies. So we watch Predator. He's watched all the Terminator movies. Um, we watch all those. He, you know, uh, we'll watch those your movies own. together. Yeah, I put on uh, Instagram. <laughs> We were watching, uh, we were watching Predator. So when uh, Arnold and uh, Carl Weathers are like, he like goes up, and I put it on Instagram when they do the hand, when they do the like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're all familiar. <laughs> yes, I know you guys love that, and uh, I love that somebody put they're they're making patches with that and everything. So uh, somebody saw me put it on Instagram, and the comment was like. You are the best fucking dad ever. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. my dad never would have showed me that at age six. But it's cool. Like my son um, sees that stuff when uh, Power Magazine comes in the mail. He tells me, "Can I bring this in my room?" And he thinks it's fucking cool to be big and strong. And that just tells me that like that solidifies him down the road. Like he actually will usually go with me to the gym most Fridays. And I do a four, five, and six. And he used to just sit in the office and just kind of watch TV, watch Netflix movies. And then he started coming coming outside onto the gym floor. He'd sit on the sleds. The kids would push and pull the sleds. And then it progressed. You'd see him, uh, farmer walking, 18-pound kettlebells. Kids will dumbbell bench. He'll take 10-pound dumbbells. You know, he's so little, his feet don't touch the floor. So he lays straight across the bench, straight legs. He's benching 10-pound dumbbells, and, you know, he's – he's is he, is he, like, he shoot, he's shooting up tests between reps and stuff? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, get me my protein shake. <laughs> so no, that's cool, man. Influenced by, you know, those, those movies. So it's, it's – uh, I have a hard time seeing uh, crappy movies. I will say, though, on the flip side, two movies for coaches out there um, or just people in general that want to kind of understand passion should That's watch um, on Netflix Gyro Dreams of Sushi. I think that is a true. Oh, yep. So good. Awesome. And that is a true. Um, it's just, uh, it tells you like what, when people want to be coaches, like that guy is the epitome of the relentless pursuit of excellence. And then as far as breaking the rules, you need to watch. Bones Brigade, which is about the nineteen skaters, dude. Yeah, and nice. is Powell Peralta. Powell Peralta, and you're look, talking my language, Zach. Exactly. Tommy so, Guerrero, all those guys. You remember? You remember the search for Animal Chin? Yeah. 
Well, I Hell really, yeah, oh, dude. I bet you nobody on this podcast other than you and I. They don't know. I wrote about in my book, um, Mike Vallely used to live in Edison. So I wrote a little bit about him in my book. And uh, Brian McKenzie, BMAC from CrossFit Endurance, um, he's the one that reminded me and told me, he's like, dude, you need to watch these movies. They're going to put your head in a, in a whole different uh, – they're going to just – they're going to get your shit together. Because I went through a bit of a strange place after Hurricane Sandy and kind of had just like a weird uh, time. And I just like lost a little bit of uh, belief in, I guess, like uh, – in the human race, like of kindness and shit like that. And I, I kind of went into just a, a big, I just was coaching, coaching, coaching. And I didn't want to really talk with other people and shit. And, uh, I watched those and it just reminded me to go out and fucking spread the word and break the rules. But guys, I could take maybe one more question. I got to, uh, go pick up my kids from school. Um, I don't, I don't know if I will, do we have anything specific we need to ask? I don't want to hold you too long. Yeah, this this is usually the part of the podcast where we just kind of go off the wall. Uh, here, here's here's a, here's a quick question, Zach. Um, if you have anything upcoming that you want to promote or anything that you want our listeners to hear about or a resource that you want them to go to, now is your chance to kind of plug that. Do it. Do it. Okay. Um, anybody who reads out there? definitely get my book. It's the Encyclopedia of Underground Strength. You could get it on Amazon, Kindle, or physical. It's big. It's 400 pages. Um, get it on Amazon or from uh, undergroundstrengthbook.com. And uh, I do, uh, I have my own certification. Been doing that for, I think, uh, five, no, six years, actually seven years because my gym is going to be eight years. So at undergroundstrength.org, is like my uh, calendar of seminars and uh, I'm not a big traveling guy, but I got a lot of traveling that's going on up and down the East coast. Uh, basically like right now through, I guess, uh, June, I'll actually be out in uh, Minnesota in the summertime. And I think the easiest way to connect with me is, you know, if you could keep up with me on social on uh, Zach's fan page for Facebook and Twitter and all that shit, I, I'm an animal with that stuff, so if you can keep up with me, good for you. And uh, that's it. I'm just oh, – I put out info. I'm not into, like, editing and doing all that shit. I just put it out when I'm – when the moment strikes. So if they could keep up with me on all the different social channels, that's really a great way uh, to get good stuff. And, uh, man, I really appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, – I knew Johnny Boy was gonna big time me. I'm not shocked. So. Uh, oh my God. They, we don't we don't even know where he is at random times. Like he's like Carmen San Diego. San Diego. He's Carmen San Diego. San Diego. I'm sure he'll love that reference. Um, but but yeah, I, I'm sure he's he's blown to have missed you. But um, we are certainly glad that we get a chance to chat with you. And obviously, I know our listeners will be excited to hear this podcast when it comes out. Um, thanks for taking the time out to do this, having been such a busy dude yourself. So uh, we'll, we'll look forward to having you on again. Yes, I really appreciate you guys. And uh, really, thank you to everybody listening. And you guys are awesome. I had a lot of fun. Um, I hate to say it, but sometimes people that interview you or interview me, 
I'm like, damn, I don't even think they give a fuck. Yeah. No, I know. I no, know. we don't give a fuck. Don't get me wrong, Zach. We're just kind of, we're, you know, we're a good time. We are literally multitasking 15 things right now, so. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Keep me posted when this is live. For sure. Okay, sounds good. Good man, Zach. All right, Zach. Hey, thanks a lot, Zach. Bye. to empower your performance head over to our blog power athlete hq for a comprehensive list of must-see movies that have inspired zach over the years you can also find links to purchase zach's book the encyclopedia of underground strength and much more information on his seminars and website undergroundstrengthcoach.com for more information on our april 30-day wades army challenge and a chance to receive a limited edition tea, head over to www.wadesarmy.org. Stay tuned to next week when we welcome renowned spinal specialist, Dr. Stuart McGill. Until next time, bye!